When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I'm feeling a lot better from COVID, but my lungs and cough are still here. It's been about two weeks since I contracted it and tested positive, and it is the longest flu I've ever had. Um, you know, it's not a flu, I know, but it um, felt a lot like having the flu when I first got it, and then it never went away. It just stayed that way. Um, it's the only thing I can compare it to. But it's definitely in my lungs, and that is worrisome to me, so please pray for my little lungs. Um, I really like running and things like that. I went skating yesterday and had just like real trouble breathing and it was a really nice day and I wasn't skating that hard or anything so I ask your prayers for my my lungs and hope that you find some hope today in the story in Genesis there's some really great expressions in the Bible that come through us thousands of years through time and sound very relatable. One of them is when Jacob learned there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you keep looking at one another? (laughs) Um, Another way of saying, you know, stop standing around, go do something about it. Um, Why are you standing here looking at each other? Um, We see that even in the famine and depredations and severe hardship of that, there is a little bit of, of what we might call dark comedy um, breaking through as it does in the grimmest of situations. But it is a life or death thing. Um, if we can get the grain from Egypt, we will live and we won't die. So the 10 brothers, the sons of Leah, Jacob's wife, Leah, his first wife by a few minutes, by a few hours. Um, They all go down, all 10 of them, all the way down to Egypt. Um, It's about a day's car trip or so across the Sinai Peninsula and into Egypt. Um, It's a little longer when you're walking. They would have had a lot of time to think a lot of time to remember the last person that was sent to Egypt from their family, Joseph. Maybe they also recalled the other patriarchs, their ancestors, not too distant um, ancestors who went to Egypt, Abraham, Jacob, and the stories that come from that. Egypt at this time is the capital of civilization. Um, Everybody eventually went to Egypt for something. Kind of like going to the major metropolitan center, uh, even if it's just once in your lifetime. And so these shepherds, sheep herders, goat herders, men of the desert and wasteland go to the biggest, most prosperous city on the planet. 
There are enslaved people everywhere in Egypt. That's how the whole economy keeps running. And so the last person they expect to meet is their long-lost brother that they threw into a pit. They were going to kill him for jealousy. And they decided to sell him into enslavement. And so Joseph's brothers came, and guess who is the governor of the land? It is Joseph. And they don't recognize him. It's been so long. So many years have gone by. It points to the fact of how young Joseph was when he was sold and and how young in some ways they were when that happened. And yet they carry the secrecy of this unfathomably awful deed with them. It comes out when Joseph still in his disguise of age and time and Egyptian clothing, um, says that there is another brother and that they are spies. Um, And they protest. They protest vehemently. We're honest men. We're honest men. These are the men who plotted to take their brother's robe, dip it in blood, goat's blood, and then take it to their father and say, we found this robe covered in blood out in the wilderness. And to watch their father go through his paroxysms of grief and loss in front of them. Imagine the level of lying you would have to pull off to do this, the, the steel in your heart to not give in and say, he's actually still alive. Um, that you would do this level of lie to a vulnerable old man grieving for his son and then never tell him is a pretty serious lie by any account. This kind of lie has the ability to poison someone's soul to poison them in a way that um, few other things can poison someone. And all 10 of them are in on it. If one of them cracks, if one of them breaks, the whole lie falls apart. You see, to to be a good liar, you have to have a good memory. You have to remember everything so that you don't contradict yourself. And here, they are keeping, like keeping a beach ball under the pool water. They are pushing that beach ball down every second of their life, and it is exhausting to keep this kind of lie up. And they've kept it for all these years. They have kept the fact that they murdered their brother and then lied about it. When in fact, um, for all they have thought, their brother is dead. He's gone, and they've killed him. And they say, we are honest men. We are honest men. It's almost as if you have to be a terrible liar to claim honesty. Those who go around saying, I'm an honest man, might be the worst liars of all. And we've never been spies. And they're kind of right about that. We have not come to see the nakedness of the land. That is repeated a couple times in the story The whole region is going through a drought. Egypt um, 
is going through a drought as well. Joseph, in his dream, prophesied that Egypt would have seven years of plenty and then seven years of drought. Um, And it is that prophecy that elevates him to a place of responsibility where he gathers enough uh, grain and other food to store in the seven years of drought or seven years of plenty for those seven years of famine and drought. And that's why Egypt still has grain left. That's how they're able to sell it um, to the world at this point. They have so much. It's Joseph who has done this. Um, And then they finally say, you know, we, your servants, are 12 brothers, the sons of certain men in the land, of certain man in the land of Canaan. And this is the truth. These liars start to tell the truth. The truth is that there were 12 brothers. And that's what they say. We are 12 brothers, the son of, they don't name him, the son of our father. And one is no more. For the first time in their life, these men start to be a tiny bit honest. A tiny bit. They're still lying about what happened to the brother and their involvement in it. But they're a little bit honest with this stranger, or at least someone they think is a stranger. Even in this story of telling the worst lie for the longest time, there is a little glimmer of hope, a little glimmer of God's grace, a little sparkle of some hope that even the hardest of liars can have a little moment where they tell the truth. And as Jesus said, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. So the test is given them. Joseph says, here's the test. You'll leave this place, and if, unless your youngest brother comes here, no food for you. You've got to go all the way back to Canaan, walk all the way back there, get your youngest brother, and bring him back here. Um, and then you'll get food. It's going to be a long, hungry march. And he says, one of you will be a hostage here. I'll keep one of you as a hostage to make sure you come back to see if there's truth. They're being accused of being spies, and this is the only way to prove that they're not. And he puts them in prison for three days. Now, I can't help but see another person who was put in prison for three days in the tomb, Jesus. Jesus goes into the tomb for three days and three nights. And it is in that horror of loss and grief that his disciples despair and all but the women give up and they go to anoint his body on that third day and he's alive. A lot can happen in three days. Um, A lot can happen in three days. In fact, this is probably good life advice. If you're facing something that's really difficult, something huge, a decision, or something that's really scaring you, something you're not sure what to do about, wait three days. Put yourself in some sort of holding pattern for three days if you can. It's hard to do. We want immediate solutions, immediate results. We want things fixed right away. But give your heart time. Give your soul time. Give your soul three days. Give your life three days to decide or to figure something out. 
It's really hard to do. As Pittman McGee says, if Judas had waited three days, you'd go to Rome to the Church of St. Judas, not the Church of St. Peter. Um, Three days makes a life of difference. And here Joseph puts them all together in prison for three days. He puts them in the situation that they put him in. It's not as bad of a situation, but it's pretty close. And there they sit in a dungeon, maybe the same dungeon that he sat in when he was thrown in that dungeon by Potiphar. Or maybe it's, it was just a hole in the ground like they put him in. And they had time to reflect in there for three days about what they had done and the lie that they were keeping. And so we can see that this whole story that Joseph is part of is all part of God's story. And it's part of these 10 brothers' story as well. God is not finished with these 10 brothers. He's not finished with them. He has not written them off. He has not said they are unfixable. They are unredeemable. No one is unredeemable in God's story. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Suffrages be... O Lord, save thy people and bless thine heritage. Govern them and lift them up forever. Day by day we magnify thee, and we worship thy name ever, world without end. Vouchsafe, O Lord, to keep us this day without sin. O Lord, have mercy upon us, have mercy upon us. O Lord, let thy mercy be upon us as our trust is in thee. O Lord, in thee have I trusted. Let me never be confounded. Today is March 15th, the Ides of March. And it is a feast day of several people, but none in great cloud of witnesses today. So we'll pray a collect for peace, especially for in those in Ukraine. O God, who art the author of peace and lover of concord, in knowledge of whom standeth our eternal life, whose service is perfect freedom, defend us, thy humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in thy defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In a colic for mission on 58. O God, who hast made of one blood all the peoples of the earth, and did send thy blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far off and those who are near, grant the people everywhere may seek after thee and find thee. Bring the nations into thy fold. Pour out thy Spirit upon all flesh, and hasten the coming of thy kingdom. Through the same thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.